You're listening to Hustle and Flow, a podcast to inspire and bring together female actors and artists in the entertainment industry. I'm Heidi, an actress, female fitness coach, and self-love junkie. And I'm Kesley, singer, songwriter, and social media influencer. Are you ready to manifest your dreams? Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Hustle and Flow. Today's guest is Varian Barry. She goes by Barry. She is the host of the Women's Health and Personal Development podcast called Flow with Varian Barry. She is a holistic menstrual health practitioner and educator. We are so excited to talk to her today about how you can optimize your hormones and live a life that is in sync with your cycle. If you are looking to heal, nourish, and regulate your life and stop suffering from period pain, then you're in the right place. Yes. And okay, I just want to add this too before I say the next thing. Like, I'm so excited to find out what it means to live your life in sync with your period because for so long, I've let my period kind of run my life, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, yes. But we actually found Barry after listening to her podcast episode. It was shared um, by somebody else who I follow, and I found her. And the episode is titled, This is a Rebellion, Not a Riot, which this addressed the recent events in the media surrounding racism. Um, you know, Kesley and I think that she is a very powerful voice for our generation and for women. So we're going to have an open conversation with her today about all things protests and periods. Hi, Barry. <laughs> hey, guys. What's up? Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is, I feel like we're in the presence of greatness. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, <laughs> that's, that's a statement right there. <laughs> you're just so intelligent and the way you speak is just, I can understand what you're saying. <laughs> like yeah. you're telling us important information that might be complicated said like coming from someone else but the way you say stuff makes so much sense so thank you for just being an eloquent speaker and sharing your heart with everyone for sure yeah i always feel like it's not what you say but rather like the way you say things like don't talk at people talk with them and so like that's that's kind of where i come from with everything that i do so i'm glad to be here and be able to talk with you guys Yes. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What, where are you from? Um, give us a little background on you. Okay. So I am from the Burbs. I am from Rochester, Michigan, which is about an hour north of Detroit. Um, I moved to Sarasota, Florida about two years ago. And wow, talk about a culture shock. It was just so different. Like I know people don't think Florida is the South, but y'all, it is not the North. That is what I will say. And my background actually, in terms of like what I do, now I'm a holistic menstrual health educator, but I went to college and I triple majored in political science, Arabic and German. And I thought that I was gonna go be in international relations, work on women's rights and human trafficking. And like, honestly, I was like, "Mm, the way this is going, I love my degrees, but that's just probably not going to be my lane. And then I did corporate for about a year. That was all well and good, but I hated it. And so I dropped out and was like, peace, like we're done with this. And I have been doing a lot of holistic health coaching since then. About a year and a half ago, I got into periods, which I'm so excited to talk about all of the time. And it's kind of funny because it definitely aligns with what I went to school for. But the way I talk about it is a little different because I'm not like, oh, this, like, pass this bill and do that and do that. I'm just like, okay, listen, this is how we're going to live our lives, okay? Let's get it all together. Let's feel good about ourselves even when we're bleeding. And yeah, now we're here. 
Isn't it funny how things come full circle? You know, you started in college and you thought you were on this this journey and then you were like, oh, this isn't the journey for me, but it actually did come full circle, you know, because yeah. you're working with women now. And and I think I think maybe you do still have a journey with the things that you studied in college, especially after the episode I listened to, you know? Yeah, it definitely came full circle after that episode. I mean, I kind of forgot how much I knew about like politics and protest and just like history altogether because I've been so inundated looking at like biology and working with women on a one-on-one capacity. But, you know, after the whole George Floyd incident and the uprising, I just felt so called to speak to people on a different level because I saw a lot of people saying like, if you're white, don't ask me questions. And for me, I was kind of like, no, please ask me all of the questions because I don't want you learning from someone on the internet that I don't know. And all of a sudden, all of the information that I had studied for years came like flooding back in. And I was like, guess I didn't forget. Let's talk about it. I love what you just said about, you know, somebody saying, okay, no, like definitely talk to me, like ask me questions. Like let's have that open conversation because For me, I will say that, you know, we live in Atlanta, Georgia. I have absolutely, and and I think me owning this has opened up a lot of other people's eyes. My eyes have really been opened through all of this, but I have absolutely experienced racism absolutely like you know and and it's it's conditioning and it's it's just so crazy how we can go from being like loving children loving everybody right like want to be friends with everybody you see these cute little videos of like a white baby and a black baby like hugging and playing and laughing together and Mm. like posts they talk about how it's conditioning and then to just like find myself in a point where because I would not identify as a racist. Like I would, like I truly, and I know there's like sensitive, there's sensitivity around how you would say this, right? Like some people say, don't say I don't see color because in a way you're saying that you don't see me for who I am and that's Mm -hmm. inappropriate. And so, but I do think like, I love anybody who is a human being with a heartbeat and like has good intentions, you know? Like we're all doing the best that we can. And so I never would have identified as, somebody who is a racist ever in a million years but still through this whole thing I felt like like listening to your episode Barry it was like somebody took a a cloth off my head or like a sheet and it was like I could see like I could see where I had had a hand in racism and that hurts me to say because like you know I just but what but whether it was like I was hanging out with friends who, mind you, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I've lived in a city where it's illegal to not own firearms. Kennesaw, Georgia, if you own property, you have to own a gun. And so it's like, I, you know, you live with these people, you hang out with these people. And then we'll talk about, we were talking about Ahmad Arbery. And, and, you know, they're saying, like, they're kind of justifying how, like, he was running in the neighborhood and, like, you know, like, would you be triggered and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, in my head, I'm just like, I need to have these conversations with people and say what I think. Otherwise I am just assisting the, like the racism even more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? By not speaking up, by not saying things when somebody makes a black joke or anything like that. And if I don't say anything, like I have a hand in racism. Yeah. Right? And so, and I know like the whole situation with Ahmad Arbery, I know that that was an act of racism because 
I know where Brunswick, Georgia is. I've been there and I have, my family has a house in St. Simons Island, which is two miles from where it happened. I know, I mean, like you honestly couldn't tell me that it wasn't racism. It's, it means a lot for you to be like, ask me questions because I don't know if I'm the only person who feels this way. I think, you know, a lot of people are maybe feeling this way. We don't know what to say. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to say the wrong thing. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think, wow, you said a lot. So let's just go ahead and unpack it. Okay. So first and foremost, before I even like respond, I want everyone to know I'm here to inform you and never to offend. I'm a straight shooter, but I'm like a very loving person. I'm going to say things that are going to be hard. I'm going to challenge your thought process, but it's so you can come out better on the other side of this. So just want to go ahead and put that out there. So First and foremost, thank you for even acknowledging your hand in it. Because a lot of people want to not acknowledge it. And it's just like, that's the problem. You want to act like this isn't a problem. And that is the main issue. But secondly, you know, saying, I don't know what to say anymore. We have to stop saying this because you just need to speak. At this point, it's not even, I don't know what to say. I don't want to step on anyone's toes. F stepping on people's toes. It's happening. Like everybody needs to be put on notice that it's not black versus white. It is literally everyone versus racism. This is 2020 people, let's wake up. And just to give you guys a little bit of historical context, there's one race, literally the human race, okay? Racism did not come about till I believe it was about the 1400s with Spanish colonialism. There, that is when people started getting separated. This is not something that was like started from the jump of humanity. It started with colonialism, period. You can't say that it didn't because everyone knows. I mean, if you believe in, you know, all of us starting in one central location, in one central place, and then dysphoria happening, you know, it's that's how people spread. Everyone started... <laughs> Well, we'll just say Pangea and I'll leave it there. I'm not, cause I don't want to get into like, you know, the semantics about how the world was created and all that. That's not the point of what I'm saying. It's just like, we all know about Pangea. Right. Everybody on the continent of Africa was brown, period. Okay. And they were all had melanin in their skin. But as we all, you know, traveled and went to different places and as the world changed, skin gets lighter and lighter and lighter. And so there's less melanin and pigmentation in people's skin. In lieu of the 1400s, that is when we came about this term of race. How can we look at people and say, oh, these people are wrong? How can we separate ourselves? How can Europeans separate themselves from maybe the Mayans and the Aztecs? Oh, color. That was the way to do it. It was a simple way to separate from other people. It was also a simple way to put people down. Color. Oh, they don't pray to the same God as us. What? Like, where is all this coming from? What, how is this? This is a narrative that's been really indoctrinated in all of us since the 1400s. But people don't want to talk about that because people don't know their facts. People don't know their history. I'm not just pulling this out of my behind. Like, come on, let's be honest. Like, if I'm going to pull something out, like, it's going to be something glittery, okay? It's not going to be this, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm one of those people, okay? 
So I think we have to understand when racism really started and where it came from, first off. And second of all, we need to acknowledge like our hand in it, but also be like, okay, this isn't, this actually isn't okay. Um, and I'm happily one of those people wanting to answer questions because I really bridged this gap of coming from, I'm a black woman in the United States, but I grew up in the suburbs. So I was always too black for the white kids and too white for the black kids because, you know, I'm so articulate, I'm really educated, but it was like this awkward place of like not knowing where I stood and who to identify with because it, it felt like my black friends didn't want me because they were like, you're too smart you're too educated, but it felt like the white kids didn't really want me because of the, the fear that I was black and I was gonna be loud and different. So it was always this um, awkward paradox that I lived in. And now here I am like talking with you guys, like my closest friends are white, like, hey guys, what's up, you know? Like, it's just kind of who I am as a person. I, I'm not looking necessarily at someone's skin color, but rather their heart and the morals and the ethics. And when you check your morals and your ethics, especially in the United States, there is no reason to say that any open murder of any kind that is not justified is acceptable, period, dot. That is, we're not, we're not going to go back and forth on that. If you want to justify something, you have a lot to check in your heart. You have a lot to just check as an individual. When it comes to just so many of the recent killings, I don't even want to go into naming them all. None of them have been justified none of them. So why are we trying to make excuses? Why are we trying to say it's okay? It's not. And you know, with the history of the South, there are so many different ways that, you know, I, I hate to say faith plays a part in it, but it's almost like faith has been twisted to justify someone's actions. But like, if anybody has ever read the Bible, that's not how things are. That's not what the word of God says. Hello, God created us to all be different in our own ways, encourages diversity, encourages inclusion. And to twist truth and make a false truth and then try to indoctrinate people with it, that's a problem. When you say a false truth, um, like, can you just expand a little bit more on- For sure. So let's go to slavery times really quick. Now, I'm going to gloss over this just- I'm going to dip my toe in it. Um, but a lot of people justified slavery by saying, God says that white, the light, right, is good, oh. but the dark is bad. Mm. Well, white is light and darker skin, that's darkness. Are you kidding me right now? Okay, wow. Like, that is how people try to twist the Bible to justify things that you know for a fact god did not mean that if you believe in god yeah you know even if you're not someone who's a christian i'm sure you've heard about white being good and dark being bad and so they twisted it to create this false truth but unfortunately that has like you know been imposed on so many people so a lot of times there's this association that if somebody's white they're good and if somebody's black they're bad that's not, I promise, we all know that is just false. Right. Like, you know, so it's just like, that is just one simple action. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think there's a lot to unpack and just in that statement alone, but I think that just giving that one example 
I mean, if we look up the word white in the Bible, it says it talks about light and goodness, right? If we look it up in the dictionary, that's what it represents. But if we look up the word black, it's absent without void. Like, is that how you really want to associate people? And is that how you want to think of people? I mean, I'm lively, okay? Like, I'm real colorful, animated, and everything. That is light. That's not just because the darkness of my skin doesn't make me a dark person per se. But again, we've twisted things and then tried to justify it. And then we indoctrinate children with it. And there's these unconscious biases that people grow up with. And it's like, that's why racism is learned. Not, it's not natural. It's like nurture versus nature. People are nurtured to be racist. People are nurtured to really discriminate and have like these segregations within communities. People are nurtured that way. That is not natural because that's not how we were created. That is not how you come out of the womb. That's why you see little kids embracing one another. But it's our job to unlearn these things and then learn some new things. It's all good. Like it's going to take, it's going to take a lot of time. This is 400 years of like things that we all have to unlearn. But if you want to take the first step, I'm right there beside you, walking you, like, let's go, let's do this, let's make this kitty pirate, like, let's... Yeah, oh, it's, it just sucks that any of this ever, like, especially when it comes to, like, religious people in the church and, like, just the stuff in the past that people have said and believed and, like, things that they've done because of the beliefs and stuff that they made up, like, the black versus white thing. Like, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about, like, under God, like, there is no, um, there is no race, there is no Jew and Gentile, there is no male and female, like, we are all one under God, like, he made us all to be one, he loved us all equally, and it's just, like, it sucks that there is a division, there's a division in the church, and this is a separate topic, just with their own beliefs as, like, denominations, like, I don't like all this division, but I guess it's just part of, you know. I think that division allows control and power, right, So I'm always believed, like I'm a church baby. My mom's a preacher. First time I ever spoke in a pulpit, I was 10 years old, you guys. I was given a sermon at 10, okay? So you're talking to somebody who grew up in the church. But I learned from an early age to be able to understand and honor people from all walks of life because it's about being known for the way that you love people. That's really what I believe the faith represents, you know? And now I'm more spiritual than I am religious because I understand that these denominations and these beliefs create this false sense of power. But at the end of the day, it's not us with the power, it's God. Like he's in control, we're in charge. We're in charge of the way that things unfold. But we like to think we have this control and you only have control if you divide and conquer, divide and conquer. That's like a process of warfare and people don't understand or maybe they do understand and just don't wanna acknowledge it or maybe they're just unaware because you might have lived your whole life and never really thought about things until I said it just now. Divide, conquer, warfare. Like this is all so um, complex. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and more conversations like this need to be had, you know, and we, yeah. that's our intention is that this will spark conversations with people who are listening. And I just want to say like one thing that's popping out at me right now is that like, I really do believe that we are all one. Like, I don't believe in separation. Separation is ego. It's like the ego trying to control. And so if we know on a deeper level, like a deep, deep, deep level that we are all one, 
then this division and us uh, like, you know, humans just like separating each other like that and putting one down, like then if they, if we are one, then technically we're hurting ourselves. It's, it's a lot like when somebody's really angry and you're holding on to this like hot stone, I mean, who's it hurting? It's hurting you, you know, in the long run. So I just wish everybody would just be like, we're all one and let's all kumbaya. No. No. You said something interesting too today about how like a lot of the things out there on the media and in social media and stuff is like people just kind of yelling their opinions at others or yes. just basically talking at everyone. And so that's why we were like pumped about this conversation because we knew that like we would all be able to just talk about it and hopefully that would help other people just like feel like feel uncomfortable to get over that and then be comfortable with this communication yeah. in this way. One of my favorite quotes is by someone named Rumi, and it says, the wound is where the light comes from, okay? And so I'm like one of those people who's all about healing. It doesn't matter if it's physical, spiritual, emotional. We all are like hurting. We all have these open wounds, but in order to heal, we have to go into that pain. We have to get to the root cause and really identify what's going on so that we can heal as a collective. Like I am here for all the love and light possible, but I also think that people will be like, love and light, love and light. And it's like a cop out. First of all, where was the love and light when this person was dying and being murdered? Where was, where was that at? What I had? No, like, we don't know. We, we didn't see any of that. Or, you know, people going ghost and being silent about this because they're feeling attacked. I think a lot of times, um, one of the things I'm noticing is, first of all, there's a lot of aggression and anger coming out of Black people right now. And that's because we're grieving. There's five st different stages of grief. Anger is one of those stages. And I think last week and the week before people got to see that, they were just like, whoa, I've never seen people rise up and be this angry. If you weren't mad about Black Lives Matter then, and you're not mad now, there was some disconnect. If you weren't mad about watching a person be killed, like, I'm sorry, what? Eight minutes and 46 seconds, a knee on a neck what like how are you not mad about that it, it let's take the color out of this how are you not mad that that person was killed on the street like that in broad daylight if you're not mad i don't want to hear anything from you yeah. you can go right off i'm gonna censor myself because i don't think i can like swear um but like it's just like you should be upset you should be disappointed and if you're not feeling something then there's a disconnect. But then there's like the people who are like, well, that was justified. How? Mm -mm. Oh my God. Or the, there's some of the videos you guys sent me yesterday. You guys, oh my God, I was dying. I was just like, I saw them, but I was just like, these are people who are so irrelevant to me. I didn't want to even send them to you. Like, no, it's fine. I was like, I don't even want to send these to Barry because I know that it's going to put her on the defensive. So why don't we dive into some of the questions yeah. that we got from our listeners? And wait, before we do, though, I just want to say, since we thought about this, you were you said that you have to go into the pain to really like grow. And step one of AA is acknowledge acknowledge oh. that you have an issue mm -hmm. so it's literally the same thing acknowledge if like if you're listening to this right now acknowledge your pain acknowledge it 
And mm -hmm. then just like I had to, when I was like, okay, it was so hard for me to realize like I've had a hand in racism because I was in denial. I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not a racist and I'm not, but I, you know what I mean? Like I had to acknowledge, no, actually I, I did have a hand in it a couple times in my life. Like I have not stood up for people who need to be stood up for whatever it might be. And if you aren't mad, acknowledge that. Why are you not mad? Like, let's, mm -hmm. let's break it down. So let's dive into those questions. Then. Okay. Yeah. Because, um, since we brought up the videos, there was mm -hmm. two that I sent you, I'm sure you've seen more. So one was Candace something, which mm -hmm. I don't know if you know her, I don't know her. So if there's background on her, you can give us. And then the other was, um, Larry Elder and yeah. w black woman, black man. They were definitely on a different side. Um, so if there's anything you want to share on that, and I have like a specific question too. I'm going to just shoot this one really straight. Okay. Seeing people like that was really disheartening. So a little bit about Candace Owens is she is, I like to think of her as not only an individual, but she's a personality. And when I say she's a personality, she is one of those people who Fox News loves to have speak as the black voice of reason, okay? And I, I don't know how else to describe her. And the video that she did was just like, you know, yes, this murder was wrong, but also this is his background. Listen, this whole movement was about the blatant murder we saw on film. I don't know George Floyd's background, but what I know for a fact is in the United States of America, everybody has a right to a trial no matter what they've done. So if you want to say anything about him, let's make sure that we're saying and remembering what this country actually stands for. The right to a just trial is one of those things. He didn't have that right. The man literally said, I can't breathe a minute and 30 seconds in, period. I, I don't care if he, it was a forged bill. Why was he not able to have a fair trial? Somebody tell me that. That's how I feel. The other guy, Larry Elder. Um, This was my first time really seeing him. I think he just needs to have a seat because his argument, wow, was terrible. So one of the things he said was um, the Washington Post posted that in 2019, nine unarmed Black men were killed by police, okay? And then he said 19 unarmed white men were killed by police. What he failed to do was put that into a perspective that people could understand. There are 21 million black men in America. There are 93 million white men in America. When you break down the statistics and the ratio, black men were killed at about a four times higher rate than white men in America. Don't just leave the statistic and say 9% versus 19% or nine people versus 19. It's not like that when you're looking at statistics. So he oversimplified things and then wanted to talk about being a child of like the civil rights movement and all this stuff. Civil rights movement never ended, bro. Newsflash, we're still in it because if we weren't, we wouldn't be protesting. But like, that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, do you think because of his, and I'm sure there's politics behind why he put that out, I'm sure. He's, he's conservative, which I love. I'm from a conservative family, you know. I identify as an independent, but I'm from a military family. I wonder if because of his generation, maybe he saw worse, so he thinks it's not a big deal now or something. I think that he just wants to stay relevant when he's very irrelevant. That's a lot of people who are speaking up now and they're like, 
George Floyd was a bad person, police brutality doesn't exist, blah, blah, blah. Like these people are really trying, grasping for straws to stay relevant. And that's why I said like, this person is a personality. I, I don't know if maybe it's because of my political science background, but when I look at people and like the things that they say, I'm just like, who's signing your check? Like, why are you really acting like this? Because is this really your truth or are you trying to get reactions? Because if you get reactions, you get views, you get clicks, you're getting paid. So if you can be the black person, right, who's saying that, yes, this was wrong, but also this, I hate to say it, but they're getting paid. What is the definition of politics? Bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> so perverted. It's perverted. I'm sorry, though. It's, let's, let's, I'll give you an actual definition of politics because like that's kind of how I feel about it um, at this point. Well, I mean, it's like when I, you know, I, I growing up as a kid always thought politics is just like Republican versus Democrat and yeah. it, it's someone's views versus the other views. But as I've gotten older, I've learned it's more like corruption is what politics is. So by definition, politics is the activities associated with the governance of a country or another area. That is the actual definition per Google University, my friends. Now, let me keep it real with you. What you're speaking on is the bipartisan system of the United States government, Democrat versus Republican. Um, but really, politics is supposed to be like governance of a community, of people in operations. And we've forgotten that because we get caught up in the dog and pony show of Democrat versus Republican, conservative versus liberal. Like, I don't, I don't know. Again, I'm an independent, so I'm doing what's right as an individual. And, you know, when people say, are you a Democrat or a Republican? I'm an American. That's what I am. Yeah. I love how proud you are to say it. Um, oh, yeah your background like your parents did they have a pretty strong influence on your political views absolutely not so okay this is really funny a lot of people don't know this about me but we're gonna give you guys some juice so my dad i always say papa was a rolling stone my dad was born in 1938 and had me when he was 57 i was definitely an accident okay my mom was 27 when she had me okay my parents were not together I know I was an accident because that 30 year gap, that's a gap guys, okay? So my dad was from Mississippi and it was a little small town in Mississippi, Yatsu City. And I don't really know much about his family, but he was from a completely different time than my mom was. My mom was like kind of a partier until 94 when I was born. And then all of a sudden she decided to go to church. And like, I grew up as a church baby. So I grew up, you know, very much so trying to find my own way because I, I liked going to church. I liked religion and learning about it, but I also had friends from other places, different cultures, different experiences. Like my best friends growing up were from like Austria and Germany. They were from India. I was exposed to so many different religions as a child. Yes, I went to Sunday school. Yes, I went to Sunday revivals, like weekend revivals, you know. I did the church thing, but I actually just truly loved everybody, no matter what their religion was, no matter what their faith was and how they were raised. Are you a good person? Do you have a good heart? 
well, as a Christian, at a little, as a little girl, I was like, well, then I love you. What does it mean to be a Muslim? What does it mean to be a Buddhist? What do, what do these beliefs share? And what I found is that the core values of each religion that we try to really separate ourselves from all come back to one thing. And that is really love, but also understanding like trials and how there's always lessons within it. So my parents, my dad actually passed away 10 years ago today. And so wow. he, well, actually, no, it's been more than 10 years. He died when I, oh God, it's been 16 years. Wow. I didn't really, I'm 26 now. And like, normally when I talk about it, I was like much younger than I am now, but he died when I was 10. So he never really got to shape my views. And my mom never really challenged because I was, I'm pretty educated. And I think I was probably in eighth grade when my mom told me I was smarter than her. Cause after high school, my mom just kind of worked hard and like took care of our family and that was it. So my unapologetic, uh, attitude really comes from being sure in who I am and where I stand. And so, yeah, kind of a long story short. <laughs> okay. There's one quick thing that's in my mind. And I know if I don't just bring it up, someone else will bring it up. Get it. I think it was, I guess you were saying Larry, Larry was saying something about the nine, um, black men that had been killed by police in the night. Um, I think it was Candace, but it may have been both of them. One of them was saying how, yeah, there's like less black men or I think it was yeah, black men, I guess, in America, but they um, contribute, is that the word? It's like 40 or 50% of crime and all this stuff. So they were taking all the different proportions of things. Now, I don't know if they're just, you know, do you, you know what I'm talking about? Do you yeah. So I don't remember which one it was. And she said, she said that 13% of the United States population is black or black males or whatever. Okay. And then she said, but they account for like 44% of murders that happen in the United States. I don't know where she got these numbers. Right. Does it even matter? So let's, let's check it. All right. <clears throat> you guys are opening up a can of worms. Okay. Just want you to know. Oh, dang. What she's saying isn't wrong, but I also want you to think about this in terms of proportions. She's not wrong. Black men do commit a lot of crimes. Well, we're comparing that to white men. When white men outnumber black men four to one, basically. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not about to sit here and try to calculate all the math because I'm terrible at it. But what I do know for a fact is she's not wrong when saying that black men do commit crimes. But she's also not accounting for how our justice system public defenders don't actually enjoy helping black men when they're on trial. She's also not accounting for white collar crimes. Right. She's not accounting for, you know, like we're going to say like violent crimes. Like if that's what she's talking about, just gun violence, gangs, if she's talking about that, that's one thing. But on the opposite end, let's make sure that we're not forgetting um, more white collar crimes like embezzlement, drugs, cocaine specifically, because we always say like, that's really not a black person's drug. It's too expensive. Okay. She's not accounting for all of these other things. And so it leads me to question, okay, what is the point of what you're saying? Because to me as a black person in America, I feel like you're just trying to say that black people are wrong. Even though you're black, I feel like you're saying that it's okay that the criminalization of poverty and 
um, the war on drugs. I, I feel like what she's indirectly saying is that's all black people's problem, but she's not looking at it on the, the white end of the spectrum. Let's talk about the crimes and the amount of embezzlement and rape accusations that come forth. Let's talk about those things because those are also crimes, but she doesn't want to break down those statistics. She doesn't want to discuss those things because it's hard and because it would literally poke holes in her entire argument. And not to mention, like you were saying, the system is so corrupt. Like, I just saw a very inspiring video of a man who was singing on um, America's Got Talent. I'll send you the video. I forget his name. But he was 20 years old when he was wrongfully accused for raping a woman, um, black man. I think he lived in Mississippi or Louisiana. And uh, he was wrongfully accused. He even had two family members testify to say that he was at home when this happened. This woman even admitted that it wasn't him, but somebody had to be punished. And he spent his entire life, he's in his 50s or 60s, uh, in jail. And he would sit in jail and he, and I don't know how big you are on manifesting, but I'm huge on manifesting. Every day he would watch America's Got Talent in jail. Mm. He'd close his eyes and he would visualize himself singing on the stage. Well, DNA testing finally came back, proving that it was not him however many years later, a lifetime later, wasted his life in jail mm -hmm. after wrongfully being accused. He made it to America's Got Talent and did sing a beautiful song and it was very <laughs> inspiring and I was bawling my eyes out. But I've seen that, that uh, Netflix series, When They See Us, you yeah. know, and think about all of the people who are wrongfully accused, specifically black people who are wrongfully accused for crimes that they did not commit. Not only that, but think about Amy Cooper. I think that was the lady's name. Um, the whole thing in Central Park where there was a white woman. She was actually Canadian. Most people don't know that. But she was walking, she was walking her dog in Central Park and the dog was not on a leash. And a black man was on his bike and filmed her. Was like, ma'am, put your dog on a leash. Ma'am, put your dog on a leash. And she freaking says... I'm going to call the cops and tell them that an African-American man is terrorizing me. Bitch, what? He's telling you to put your dog on the leash because you're actually violating the rules of the park. You're, you're literally doing something against the law. But you want to say that there's a black man attacking you when he's telling you, hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to ride my bike. Your dog needs to be on a leash. It's one, I'm going to call them and let them know that there's an African-American man. Why the hell did you say that, Amy? Why did you say that? Do you know how many Amy Coopers there are out there? Yeah. That stuff's oh, yeah. not okay. Like, and I think that, you know, when I listen to Candace and her arguments, I'm just like, you're not, you're not, you're literally not accounting for these things. You have forgotten what these, these things are and what it actually means. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, I know through and through all of the struggles of being black in America because I grew up in the suburbs okay like I had this privilege of being out of an inner city community I grew up in a fairly affluent place I mean and I know I did that is a privilege that I was afforded because my mom took me out of the ghetto where she had raised my brothers my path looks really really different than most kids and I'm grateful for that, but I don't forget about the fact that 
unfortunately, in the United States, these are still issues we are encountering. There's still gerrymandering and redlining and all of these different things that a lot of people, unfortunately, are not informed about because they're not active members of the government. You're not like, not everyone's an informed civilian. You're, a lot of people are not informed civilians. A lot yeah. of people just take headlines and run with it. And it's just like, we got to stop that. Like, you know, and not to mention like the media does create a lot of narratives. At the start of last week with like the Black Lives Matter movement, people were going off on the news. Like people were literally mad because they saw a CNN reporter who was a black man being arrested. He was reporting live. Are you shitting me, you guys? Like, come on now. Come on now. And he wasn't doing anything besides his job. And they, they detained him. An hour later, he was released. But people were like, this is what we're talking about. Glad you got to see it on live news. G glad you got to see it. Don't try to sit here and act like we're just making this up. The news creates these narratives and they're like, oh, these people are looting and rioting. Uh, no, it's a rebellion, friends. Like, let's go back to how this country started. There's so many levels. I'm sorry I'm on my soapbox, but there's just, it's so much deeper than what we see on the news. And so instead of allowing that news to create the narrative for you, I'm always going to challenge you, your listeners, anybody understand the narrative find the truth of the narrative and if it seems like it's bullshit it probably is yeah that leads me to a question on that mm -hmm. and i may not have ordered it perfectly so just correct me if i say something wrong um and it's a little kind of long but it's um we're talking about and we just talked about how like um the media kind of makes it a black first white thing when um, this is something you said in your episode is that it's not a black versus white thing. It's the, it's everyone versus racism. And that it's also like us versus the government. And um, so how does the government kind of benefit from portraying these recent events in the rioting as a black versus white issue? And are we seeing racism in the news because of a political agenda? Because again, like there was a huge, there was a lot going on four years ago when it was an election year. So can you unpack any of that? Oh, gosh. Here's what I'll say. It could be very much so related to a political agenda. Unfortunately, I'm, I can't speak to it um, because I think it's much deeper than just politics at this point. Like, this is a right and wrong thing. So I'm not going to say that, you know, I know it's an election year. Um, I know that, you know, people certain candidates are not speaking out against what's going on, but then other people are trying to capitalize off of it. Like if I see another ad from Uncle Joe, that's what I call Joe Biden, about like Black Lives Matter. Like if I see, like for me, I know publicity stunts when I see them, okay? And I'm not saying like, I don't really care where he stands with this, but do I think that this could be part of a political agenda for both parties? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's definitely a political agenda. Like I think the media is definitely like, doing stuff but there's no denying because i know where i live and i know who i know that racism is very much alive and i think yeah. it was will smith who said racism isn't getting worse it's just being it's getting worse. filmed yeah that's and like here's what i'll say i think that it's very important that it boiled over during this time during the pandemic because people only had time to pay attention and so now people are like hold up a second nobody's changing this 
whoa, wait, I didn't realize it was so far gone. So I'm glad that it came to a head in this time of stillness for so many of us, because a lot of people got to be aware. They're like, right. I didn't realize that. Like, you know, whoa, I didn't know this was going on. Wait, I didn't understand that I had privilege. Oh my God. I didn't know about microaggressions. I didn't know. I don't, I don't know about cultural appropriation. There was a lot that, you know, the white community just did not know, but now they are aware of and know now. You know, so again, I don't want to say that this is like to swing an election decision and different things like that. I know it's being used to help people on their platforms, you know, and try to win votes and stuff like that. But I pray that we see through it as individuals and as Americans. And I pray that our hearts do what's right and what we believe is best and that we don't allow the narrative to be created and really perpetuated by the media. Because if that's the case, well, see you again in four years. Yeah, exactly. And and to add on to your prayer, I'm just praying that people can really question their belief system and take a look and say, what was I taught, you know, and what do I really believe? And where can I find some falsity or if that's a word, some falsehood in, in some of these beliefs and like, what's true, you know? And at the end of the day, you're right. There's one race, it's the human race and that's truth. Yeah. Yeah, I've always been, not always, but I think when everything first started to happen, like the first time I heard of Black Lives Matter, I was going to LSU in Louisiana, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And like, I had never really, um, I'd probably been sheltered to the fact of racism a little bit but I had never felt fear mm. when it came to black versus white until then, because there were shootings happening in my city and it's a small town. And that was the first time where I felt, I felt afraid to speak. I felt afraid to be white and a white woman or to be alone or whatever. And like, mm. I didn't like that. And I was mad at the media for making everything look really scary too and it was there was some scary stuff going on but like I don't know I just I hate I hated that and then for four years the last four years I've just been like afraid and I feel like this time now that I'm living in Atlanta and another city where like everything's going down um I did go to a protest and I felt like after I did that I was not as afraid and it felt more connected to the storyline and more open about it and wanting to have these conversations and not just being scared. You know what's crazy about that is the fear that you felt for those four years is a fear that I feel every single day. It's not right. And and that's and that's the point is like I shouldn't be afraid yeah. like at all. Like we live in Florida and I live in a nice community. It's like low-key it feels like a 55 and up community. I'm not gonna lie you guys like <laughs> we're the youngest ones here and people look at us like what are you doing and like my boyfriend he's white Scott is like shaggy hair, you know, and it's it's interesting because we understand the dynamic and how times have changed, but we don't live in a community that gets it. So I get a lot of weird and uncomfortable looks. I get a lot of, are you supposed to be here? Do you live here? I mean, the first time I'd ever been really called colored in my life, I was here in Florida and that was like two years ago. I was like colored, like, where are you from, bro? Like, but it didn't register in my head that I was in the South or in Florida. So like, you know, it's one of those things where there are certain places where I actually just won't go 
because I don't feel like people just staring at me. And maybe they're staring at me because they're like, oh my God, you're so cute. But it's uncomfortable for people to like, just stare that hard. Like it's really awkward and uncomfortable for me to like show up to interviews that I've been to and I've spoken to people and they're like, oh wow, like you didn't sound like you, you look different than you sounded on the phone. Why? Because I'm well-spoken bitch by like, you know, and it, it's one of those things where there's always this like uneasiness that I have, but I've also learned how to keep going and become more and more confident in who I am and make sure that I don't step wrong. Like it's, it's, you know, and it's not to say that the fear you felt isn't, doesn't matter. You know, it's to say that like that same fear you felt for those four years, it's like the fear that I walk around with every day. I just don't show it because like, I feel like as a black woman in society, I don't get the chance to be weak. I don't get the chance to slip up. Everything that I do, everything that I say has to be perfect because I don't get do-overs. Wow. I just don't. And like, that's just kind of how it is for a lot of people in the black community. Black men, like I think being a black woman is a privilege because I'm not a black man, straight up. Black men don't get a second chance. They don't get a do-over. I, I told you guys, I have three older brothers and I come from a military family. Two of them were in the military. One of my brothers literally he had a CCW and he had his a firearm in the back of his car. They pulled him over for a broken tail light. And then he ended up getting arrested, but they end up letting my brother go, even though it's a military man, even though he had a CCW. Oh, you had an open firearm in the car. Even though he had all ev everything in, in order, they arrested him. He was in jail for like two, three days. But you can't tell me that was right. You can't tell me that, like, a taillight, bro? Come on now. Like, that's something you give a ticket for and you keep going about your way. I don't feel, wow. So it's just like, when, when people see civil unrest, especially coming from Black people, it's because the stuff that we're experiencing and dealing with is just unexplainable. Like, I don't know one white person who would have their CCW in the back of their car, have a right. broken taillight, and then have to go to jail. No. no, because if a police officer- Especially in the South, I if, don't know where your brother yeah, was. If a police officer walked up to you and you tell them, hey, sir, I have a gun in the car, just so you know, whatever. Like, I mean, I don't know what the rules are, but I know that you're supposed to say, yeah. I do have a gun in my car or whatever. Like, I'm pretty sure that that's it, you know? I mean, I have white friends who, who carry guns with them and they're so loose about it. You know, yeah. like they don't, they're not afraid. They right. feel empowered. If that yeah, and sense. we walk around with fear. Like my stepdad is like, you, you need to get your CCW. Like you little bit, like you need to make sure like, you know, and like I said, like I grew up going to the shooting range and different things like that. I'm all for second amendment, but I'm also all for equality mm -hmm. and justice. And like, it's just like this, unfortunate situation that we don't have that same treatment and equality we try to act like people made things better with like affirmative action and all these different things and it's like yeah things did get better but things didn't change either something that i'm thinking about this is actually a question that we got and so i'm actually wondering how it pertains to you particularly but one of our listeners asked how do i balance my craft and sharing it 
while being sensitive to what's happening in the world, specifically Black Lives Matter. Easy. Well, what's, do you know what she does? She's an artist specifically, so she paints. I'll put it in context for me too. I'm a personal trainer, you know, and with everything going on, feels a little bit meh for me to go on my story and be like, hey guys, sign up for my one-on-one -on -one program. Like we're gonna get your bodies in shape when like black people are dying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I keep getting this question from people, so I'm ready for it. Like, it's a very common question. So the first thing I would say is, where's your heart on the matter, you know? When do you have that personal face-to-face -face time and show people who you are outside of being a business owner? How do people get to know you, right? That's one thing. I always start there. Second thing for the specific listener, and then I'll get to you. Um, for the listener, I would say because she's a painter and she's an artist, do something talking about shades of color just put up like a nice little Instagram post with like seven different shades, all different colors, but talk about the, how you can't create a masterpiece without certain shades, different things like that. Like, I think we, we overcomplicate it because we, we want it to be like really, really um, direct, but it's poetic. It was so awkward for me to post a picture of myself yesterday as a little girl but I wasn't done talking about Black Lives Mattering. I wasn't done talking about the little brown skinned girl trying to figure out where she stands in the world. So I told a story. And I think that it's easy to tell stories and make it align with your life. In terms of personal training, like straight up, if you were to be on your story, I don't know what your clients look like. It would be like, y'all, I have never had a black client and I cannot believe this. Hold on a second. Let me think about, do you know what it feels like to have to reevaluate that and have that conversation with myself? Of course. I mean, Barry, you're our first Black podcast guest. Thank and, you. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I've worked with my therapist a lot through all of this, and I'm telling you, it was unconscious. It yeah. wasn't like we were consciously like, we're not going to have a Black guest. No, like that's not, that's mm -hmm. not it at all. But my therapist was telling me like, it's unconscious becoming conscious. Like the world is waking up right now. Yeah. yeah and, sure. and that was a conversation that I was like, oh my God, like how could I, like how? I couldn't believe it. I have had black clients for my personal training. I've had Asian, I've had um, white, I've, ha I've had pretty much everything. But for the podcast, like that was mm -hmm. a conversation that I had. Mm -hmm. But that's like something you can talk about, right? Because like, here's the thing I always tell people like, Black people can reach Black people. White people can reach white people. Not everybody who's Black can reach white people. Not everybody who's white can reach Black people. But what you can do is control your circle. You can talk about your real life experiences. It's not, I don't, and I, this might sound kind of condescending, but it's not supposed to be, but you, this is not for you to have to lead the charge on, okay? So I want you to be okay saying like, damn, like, this was like, I had to think about my unconscious biases that might've been there. It's okay. Like, listen, people make so much fun of me. It, it seems like last week was like the first time white people found out about white privilege, like for real, for real. And I'm just like, y'all, this is not new to us. Like we've been new this, but like come into the conversation. I know you just found out, but we've been new this. You guys have been running a marathon, and then it's like somebody just walks up to you and is like, "Oh, hey, 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 I'll, I'm gonna come run with you guys." And you're like, "Well, we just ran 20 miles, but okay, come on, come on, let's just go. I don't have time to stop and explain to you what's going on. I'm gonna keep running, but come on." This is a this is a race, right? 
it's not finishing anytime soon. So I don't care where you pick up in the race, let's keep on going. Because I'm in this one for the long haul. My blackness won't go away anytime soon until like, I mean, maybe some hyperpigmentation might happen. Hopefully not, like we love good skin, okay? Um, but I don't care where people pick up the baton in the race. I, I, I personally don't. Keep running with me. If you feel like you're, you're weak and you're falling to the wayside, let me know so I can say, nope, let's keep going. Like, let's keep going. Because we don't get a chance for a timeout. We don't get a break. And since now you're conscious and you are woke, commit to this. That's why people keep saying it's not a moment. It's a movement. Because we got to keep on going. We don't get breaks. I don't get a break from being Black. You don't get a break from being woke. Period. I think some people want to say it's like heartbreaking and maybe I'm just not super sensitive, although I'm a Pisces, guys. I'm a water sign, okay? I'm very, very sensitive. But like, I think that we have to focus forward. We have to acknowledge that past. We have to heal that pain, but we got to keep on moving forward for not only the sake of our present moment, but for our children in the future, for generations to come. It's not about us. It's about the collective experience. And if the collective is really gonna benefit from an awakening that's happening right now, if we're gonna ascend to all the 5D stuff like the spiritual people say, then we need to make sure we're here on this 3D plane running this race alongside each other. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> uh, we've, we've had a, a, a speaker on before. Do you know who Stevie L. Wright is? No. Oh my God, you have to follow her, Barry. Okay. She talks about the 5D and it's like mind-blowing, mind-blowing stuff, but you're absolutely right. You can't get there if you have these unconscious biases. Mm -hmm. You can't. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say on this before we move on to periods? Let's move on to periods. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So you take it away because you've actually, can, can you like tell Barry a little bit about like your okay. experience with this? Okay. So I started reading woman code last year. So I read that book. I don't know if you've read it, but it's all yes. about your cycle of fertility. And then I also have a hormone coach that works with me because I had severe acne and I was on birth control, specifically Lola Lestrin Fay for three years. And then I started having bad acne, maybe two years in. And my mom also had adult acne. So I had to try to figure out, you know, is this like genetic? Is this a gut problem? Is this birth control and hormones? Um, so I got off birth control. I did get a hormone test. I had high stress. And then I got a coach and did all the food stuff and the diet elimination, elimination diet and stuff like that. So I've been teaching Heidi some things. <laughs> and um, uh, this first question that we got from somebody is interesting. And I... I want to know what you have to say because she's on the same birth control currently that I was on. And she said, I'm taking Lola Lestrin Fay, and if I'm saying that right, and I rarely get my period anymore. Haven't had one in three months. Is this normal? Is this healthy? Should I get off birth control? First thing before I even answer this question, I'm not a doctor and I'm not your doctor. So what I'm about to say, friends, is strictly for information and really empowering you guys. Um, I love to say that before I talk about birth control because a lot of people get a little touchy about this. So yeah. let's talk about hormonal birth control. Hormonal birth control, you don't have a period on hormonal birth control, period end of story. There's no back and forth. Um, the decision as to whether or not she should get off of it is entirely up to her, but I really hope what I'm about to say is going to help her. So your menstrual cycle starts in your hypothalamus in your brain. 
when you are on synthetic birth control or hormonal birth control with synthetic hormones in it, okay, like fake forms of estrogen and progesterone, what happens is the communication between your brain and your ovaries stops. So you're not actually having a period because your brain has to communicate when your body needs to ovulate. But if there's no communication from your brain to your ovaries, ovulation isn't happening. The period that she thinks she's experiencing is a fake period and it's called a withdrawal bleed. This happens because of the hormone levels being too high in the body, but also because there's like the sugar pills. Um, if she, is, is it a pill specifically? Yes. Okay. I, I was on birth control for like a year and a half, but I never knew what it was called. I just knew I was on a pill. And that's like kind of where it stopped, you know? Yeah, so well. um, it stops those, those sugar pills that she's taking are like, oh, this is when you should be regular. So it gives this illusion of being regular, but it's not a regular period. So I hope that kind of answers the question. If she wants to come off the pill, there are so many different things that she can do. I mean, I have an upcoming course about it, but I actually think the book Beyond the Pill by Dr. Jolene Brighton is the best place to start. Tell us about your course. So I'm launching something called the Flow Academy um, late summer, early fall. And this is just going to kind of walk women through three very specific things. They're going to be individual courses, eating your way to a better period, hormonal operating system. So understanding the hormone hierarchy and cortisol and all of that. But like we need to update the hormone operating system, just like you do your iPhone. Okay. And then the last thing we want to do is really coming off of the pill or just hormonal birth control in general. So it'll walk women through understanding each different type of hormonal birth control and like educating them, but also giving them like that exit plan, right? So how can I come off the pill? How, or how do I, what do I do when I get my IUD removed? And, you know, what should I be expecting? Because most women, when they come off of hormonal birth control, struggle with something called post-birth control syndrome. And so their hair is falling out, they're having mood swings, their skin issues, all this different stuff. But that's because birth control is an uncontrolled science experiment. Uh, but like people don't want to talk about that one, you know? I do so. want to talk about that a little bit. Like, why do you think there is this massive misinformation like everything you just said I've never even heard in my life I didn't know that your hypothalamus communicates with your ovaries and all of that and like but still I've been on several birth controls I just show up to my doctor I take whatever it is I'm not on birth control right now but like why do you think there is such a misinformation or a lack of information out there provided to women like what's up with that Ooh. This is going to sound so biased, but it's because most people in STEM, so in science, mathematics, engineering, all that, most people in the medical space are non-menstruating individuals. Most of them are walking around with penises and never have had a period in their life. So most of the research is done by men. Most people don't understand that research studies in general are conducted on men, like they're tested on men because men's hormones reset every 24 hours and women, our hormones reset every 28 days. So there's a lot of different variables at play. That's one main reason, honestly, that we don't know what's going on. The second reason is most women don't know what I just said because we were never taught it. Think back to like 
puberty. Like think back to like that awkward moment when you're like fifth or sixth grade and they're talking about puberty. I remember watching this terrible VHS, you guys. It was like from the 80s and they were like telling you like, oh, my period just started. I hate my life. They already created a narrative for us. Great. Love that. That's trash. I don't want that narrative in my life. But also they were just saying, this is how pregnancy occurs, but not really explaining the science behind it. They say your cycle is 28 days, but women, we only know about like the five to seven days we're actually bleeding. Exactly. Yeah. Because our teachers or our moms don't even know that information about where the brain starts, which is where like, you know, a lot of pioneers of the menstrual movement, a lot of these experts like, you know, Dr. Jolene Brighton, Alyssa Vitti, um, so many other phenomenal women come into place, but then they're, because they're at like the forefront of the movement, they're almost like these, the professor in like your university class, right? They're like the professor. And then there's people like me who come in as the TA and like, this is what you need to know for your exam like I know they gave you all of this jazz from a textbook but this is what's important about the textbook this is how you can take it away so it's just kind of like I mean I could blame it and be like it's because men don't have periods or something like that I could say that women just don't know but really now that we are like now that we're conscious right problem solution oriented it's now our job to continue to move forward and figure out the best things for us and our bodies and so that's why I'm like let's inform and empower you to make the decision like personally do I think birth control is a good idea hormonal birth control absolutely not do I understand why people do it yes is it absolutely their choice 100% and I'm not negating that but in making this choice I want you to have all of your facts straight So down the line, you're not surprised if you have a blood clot. I just had a client who literally just, she passed out, found out she had a blood clot. And then in that moment, when she was in the hospital is when she decided to get off of birth control. It was literally a direct result as one of the cautions of her birth control. Why is so much money poured into um, like things like... Uh, what is that pill for men to get a boner? What is Viagra? Why is so much money and information and science and everything poured into things like helping men extend their sex life, all that, but there is not that type of research being conducted for women for things like birth control and birth. Follow the money. So a lot of people get, for instance, you were sharing that you would go to your doctor, they put you on birth control and there was like never really a discussion because every time you prescribe birth control, somebody's getting paid. So they're just getting more money off of you, honestly. But also, um, we'll go back to the people who are at the forefront of STEM. That is men. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Medicine, biology, science stuff, guys. That is really a male-dominated area. And I think until there's more women in that industry, we're going to continue to see, you know, things that we don't like. So, you know... I'm really hoping I like raise an astronaut or something one day. Like, I don't know, you know, like I'm not sure what's going to really change it. But I also know that women, we have a different approach to healthcare. And it seems like a lot of women are very much so all about like holistic health once they understand it. It's a, it's our job. I don't expect a man who's never had a period in his life to want to necessarily stop making money off of birth control if he's getting a check at the end of the day like I I know it sounds kind of bad but like 
it's yeah. more our responsibility. And since it is our body and our choice, let's choose to like boycott it. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause I went on birth control because I was getting married and I wanted to be able to have sex and not get pregnant. And my mom did birth control. So she's like, this is what you do. This is normal. So I did it. And then when I started having issues, I was having like mini panic attacks monthly and I started breaking out. I didn't really want to have sex while I was taking the pill. Yeah. There were so many issues with it that I didn't know were like related to the pill. And then, and then I felt like, why am I taking this? I'm just taking this so that my husband can have sex with me anytime and not worry about it. And he doesn't have to use a condom. Like what is even in it for me at this point when I realized that my period's not even real and my body's not doing what it's supposed to be doing and everything's off and I can have problems afterwards and it's gonna take me months to like feel myself if I get off of it. My biggest question before I got off of it um, was what am I gonna do for birth control if I'm not taking the pill and I didn't want to switch to a different hormonal birth control. So what are your top natural holistic birth control recommendations and you know you're not a doctor but oh I will say this one from the rooftop check your panties um no okay so there's something called the fertility awareness method this is a 100% natural okay thing but it is very much so based off of the individual doing it the fertility awareness method has you track three things first your basal body temperature so your body temperature when you first wake up because when you're ovulating your body temperature is a few degrees higher than when you're not ovulating. And that's an indication that you're fertile, okay? Um, and then the next thing you're gonna check is your cervical placement. So at different points in times throughout your menstrual cycle, your cervix placement changes. It's a little graphic, guys, Google it. I'm not about to get into all the details because like, I need a picture for this one. And then the last thing is your cervical mucus. And this is why I say check your panties. So if you wait, I mean, if you wear underwear to bed at night, I, I like to sleep in my birthday suit personally. So like, does it really matter about checking my panties? But um, sometimes you'll notice a wetness, okay? If you check your panties and it's a translucent liquid there, you're not ovulating. But if it's opaque and it kind of looks like lotion, you're ovulating. This lets you know how fertile you are. That is like my favorite thing to recommend. I did that. I mean, I still kind of technically do it, but I'm very lazy about it because I just kind of know where I'm at at my cycle at all times now because a year and a half in, we're like, what's up, bitches? Like, try me. Like, I can tell you where I'm at exactly. Um, but the next thing I would recommend is cycle syncing and knowing the four phases of the actual menstrual cycle because you can actually know how to be like your fertile window. And I always say like ovulation only happens for 24 hours. I say give yourself a seven day grace period. And the reason I say this is because sperm can live in the vagina and the uterus for up to 72 hours. And a lot of women don't know this. So if you're having sex, unprotected sex, three days before you ovulate, you can get pregnant. If you're having unprotected sex three days after you ovulate, you can get pregnant. So really what that means is give yourself seven days of grace and then from there, like make any decision. But even in that, I encourage people to use condoms. Why do I encourage people to use condoms? Because your vagina has its own pH levels and we don't need nothing throwing that off, okay? Like period. We don't need any bacterias of any sorts. Even if the person has been tested, checked, tried and true. Your vagina and your vaginal canal is literally 
special and based off of your like your body's pH levels. And a lot of women don't know that because no one's taught us that. But we're working on it. We're working on it. Can you talk a little bit more about the cycle syncing? I just yeah. love this. I actually, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, I said to Kesley, I was like, you know what? I think I'm gonna like do this cycle. Cause I just, it has just been brought to my awareness that like you have higher energy at certain parts. And when you're gonna get your period, you have lower energy. And so I was mm -hmm. like, interesting. What if like women aren't made for this nine to five thing? Like what if that's like, like men are, what if that's for men because it was designed by men? And what if women are really supposed to just sync their life with their cycle? What a concept. What a concept, okay? Like that is, okay, so men are very linear. They reset every 24 hours. Women are cyclic. We reset every 28 days, right? So let's get into this. And I'm gonna break it down in like three different ways. So guys, just have your notebooks out, okay? Pay close attention to what I'm about to say. So the biological phases of the menstrual cycle are as follows. Menstruations, day one to about seven. So this is when you're bleeding and that endometrium lining is shedding. The second phase is called the follicular phase. This is usually day eight to about 14. And this is like that week post period where you're like, okay, coffee dates. Okay, let's do interviews. I feel it. Like I, I'm starting to like people again. Okay. Right. Then we have ovulation, which is day 14 or 15, depending on like your body temperature to about day 21. This is when you're feeling frisky. You're like, hey, friends, how you doing? Let's go shake that booty. Like, let's go. Okay. This is when you're feeling yourself on a whole different level. This is also the uh -oh window where you could potentially get pregnant. Okay. The final phase of the cycle is called the luteal phase. A lot of women say it's about 10 days long for them because after ovulation, like, you know, when you're done ovulating, because you're just like, Ugh, Karen, don't, don't even look at me. Like, just give me my latte. Leave me alone, Karen. Like, don't. Okay. <laughs> so during this window, this is when your hormone levels have changed a lot and your hormones change throughout the entire cycle. But specifically what happens is your estrogen goes from being really high and you go from feeling amazing to going really low and your progesterone increases. The progesterone hormone is what I like to think of as your pregnancy hormone. Your boobs start swelling, you start retaining more water and you're testy. That is the luteal or PMS phase. Now, I don't expect you to remember those phases like that because listen, don't nobody care about those phases. Like some guy in a lab coat said follicular, okay, bye. <laughs> so I just feel like there's some guy in a lab coat somewhere that he said, oh, that's a follicle. So we'll call this the follicular phase. Like shut up, this is oh, the problem. <laughs> so I like to say, I like to, I like to thrive, okay? I'm a spa goer. I don't know if you guys like the spa, but like I'm bougie and I know I am. So the first phase of the cycle, I love to say, is your restore and release phase. This is when your body is actually releasing that blood and you need to focus on restoring and rebuilding. I like to say the second phase is reconnect because that's when you want to start reconnecting with other people. You're not focusing on yourself so much. You're focusing on like the external world. Then I like to think of ovulation as renew because you're like, I'm a new person. Like, let's go. Okay. And then I like to say the luteal phase, your PMS phase is relaxed because that's all you need to be doing. Now, this is because again, I'm bougie, but also I think language is everything. And I think you're more apt to remember during your PMS phase to like relax. If someone says this is the relaxed phase, then like someone saying this is PMS, like, yeah, oh, you know you're PMSing. Thank you. Like, what do you need to do? You need to relax. 
right? The feminist in me wants to come out and just point out that it's very possible that a man did come up with these terms and <sighs> I want to say, it, I'm just going to say it, maybe they wanted to make it a little complicated so that it was hard to understand. You know what I mean? So that women could not be in the know and take advantage and harness these things. Maybe it wasn't that ill-intended, but the feminist in me wants to be like, <laughs> why the fuck did it have to be so complicated? And then on top of that, just the shame. Like when, when I say to my boyfriend, oh, I'm PMSing, he knows and he's, he's super sweet, he'll buy me chocolate, blah, blah, blah. But like, even as a kid, like growing up, you know, it's like, oh, you're PMSing. Shame on you. Or like if we're crying, if we're crying, you're like, are you about to get your period? Oh yeah. You're so hormonal. My hormones literally rise and fall. Yours don't. Of course I'm hormonal. Thank you for noticing. Like, good for you. You finally get it. (laughs) What does it mean to be hormonal? Is it a bad thing? Like, or is that just added shame? It's added. It's an added narrative. And I mean, like, honestly, you guys, I don't even, when you think about the narrative that's created about periods, surrounding periods, we heard about it before we even had our period. So when we finally got our period, we're like, oh my God, this is so awkward. This is so uncomfortable. We carry that shame and guilt our entire lives. And I'm a big person. Like I love anything to do with like energetics and chakras specifically. And it's like so many women come to me with period issues and it's because their root, their sacral and their solar plexus chakras are so out of balance and so like blocked that it's physically manifesting itself in these forms of pain if you don't have confidence in yourself whether it's in the bedroom or in your creative space or anything like that no wonder your sacral chakra is a pretty blocked but b you're in physical pain because you're not allowing yourself to express yourself you're not opening up like there's so much that goes into understanding the menstrual cycle and really like healing the body. But just that sheer thing, like so many women have shared with me, like I have low self-esteem, I'm not confident. And like, I feel ashamed and I feel guilty. You're carrying dead weight around and you're wondering why you're in pain. That weight is not for you to carry. That weight is for you to work through and for you to learn how to release and move forward. But I also do want to say one last way to think about the menstrual cycle for all of my female entrepreneurs and creatives. This is about to blow some minds and my favorite way to talk about it, okay? During menstruation, what you need to do is what I like to say, ideation, okay? you have more brain connectivity between the right and left hemispheres of your brain. So this is the time to brainstorm and like just come up with all the ideas. During that second phase of your cycle, the week post period, this is creation. So this is when you wanna be really, really detailed oriented with all of the tasks and planning that you have and things you need to get done. Ovulation is all about execution. You feel like you can be on top of the world, go get it. Like, go for it. I want you to climb a mountain. I want you to launch that course. I want that 50K launch for you. And it's going to happen when you're ovulating because your energy is so magnetic and you feel good about you. So you can show up and you're like, hey, like, how you doing? Okay. And then that last phase, when you're PMSing, I like to say that's evaluation. So rather than picking a fight with like our partners, you know, like I love to pick fights with my boyfriend. He's a Libra. Like I love to like just play devil's advocate with him. I'm like, oh yeah, you want to be balanced? That. Like I'm so, I'm so annoying to him sometimes. I love to do evaluating for my business. 
So I'm looking at my analytics, I'm looking at the insights, I'm saying, okay, what's my click rate on my email marketing? Okay, what do I wanna do for this upcoming launch? Problem solution orientation is the best thing to do during that PMS phase, because you're looking for problems. So let's go ahead and look for those problems and then try to solve them as we're going into menstruation, because when you're menstruating, that's when you have the most ideas. So point out the problems during that PMS phase and then solve the problems during that actual menstruation phase. I do want to ask about natural period products right, really quick because okay. I actually don't, I want to change, I want to stop using tampons or something. Okay. But so my question is just what are your natural period product recommendations? I like tampons, um, but because I use organic cotton tampons like straight up. We don't use chemicals and fragrances. And if you are, stop it. Okay. Yes, that's a no. <laughs> How do you know if there are chemicals in your tampons? Um, if it's a fragrance, there's a chemical, but also most tampon companies now are putting organic cotton like on the box. So like I use brands that are only organic cotton. So I personally use the Honey Pot Co. Mm -hmm. Cora is another one they sell at Target. We love a good Target run. And so I know for a fact that's there. And then there's another brand called Lola that I know of. Um, I think they sell it at Walmart. Those are all organic. But again, the box will say organic. I think I think Tampax is starting to do it, but they still have the trash ones on the market. So like, I don't support them, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I use Tampax, so I'm gonna not use Tampax. D what does, what, what happens if there's chemicals in your tampons? If chemicals are getting into your bloodstream, that can also lead to a lot of issues, a lot of toxins getting into our bloodstreams, a lot of underlying conditions that, I'm not gonna say anybody has a specific condition because I don't know what people's lifestyle are like, but like, I don't want anything toxic near my place of like reverence okay that's kind of how I feel so just with that keeping that in mind it's like we don't I live as natural as possible so like I don't want that that's just a me thing and that's I think most women if we knew about like chemicals and toxins in our products we would like think twice like all of my makeup non-toxic all of my skincare non-toxic I don't care what it costs I don't care what it's costing me up front. I'm saving myself on the back end of things. Like we're going to look 26 forever, my friends. Okay. We're not doing it. Uh, um, but also menstrual cups, menstrual cups. And there's something called a menstrual disc. I personally haven't tried a disc yet. So I'm not sure how I feel about it. Someone just messaged me about it. And I was like, mm, I don't know about all that. But menstrual cups, I can speak to you because I use a salt cup. Just get the cup that I'm telling you, the salt cup, that brand, they've done a phenomenal job of like educating the consumer as to finding which cup is the right size in the placement. It's about $30, $33 at, at Target, of course. Um, and honestly, I love my salt cup. I just know that like I'm a very active person. So it's not always the most comfortable thing. Like if you're going, like if you're sprinting and different things like that, it's kind of uncomfortable if you're on a bike ride like I don't know maybe it's like I just don't place it the right way but it's just one of those things to be aware of um also let's talk about period panties really quick so there's like these panties that have like these reusable pads I don't like pads in general um but some of the brands have chemicals in the actual panty so you have to be careful which brand you're using and like I, I guess it's like better for the environment, but like, I don't know. So my recommendations, organic cotton tampons and menstrual cups. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you what you think about 
free bleeding, I came across a Instagram influencer yogi who lives in Hawaii. Kessler's like, <laughs> <laughs> and she was promoting free bleeding, and I was I don't literally know how like, you do that. I was like, okay, and a lot of people were commenting on it and saying it's great. A lot of people were offended by it, like. So I'm just curious what you think about free bleeding. I think a lot of people are doing too much. Whatever works, like I've been on interviews with people where they're like, I just feel so connected to the land. And I was like, I do too, but not like that. Like, because for me, I'm just like, I don't want blood on my leggings, dude. Like I have a white couch in my office. Like if you're not somebody who's like frolicking through the forest every day, I just don't feel like it's like, the most practical thing now if you're somebody who sits on a lot of land and like you know that's just kind of how you want to live go for it but like oh wow that was a really good pun (laughs) um but if you're somebody who like lives like that like I I guess I don't I think people are like taking like I love breaking down like the stigma around periods and I'm here for normalizing the conversation around menstruation but like low-key y'all like some people are really doing the most like I've seen people putting period blood on their face and I'm like oh okay you do realize your body is releasing that and as your body's releasing the blood that means toxins are coming out of your body as well right like why would you be putting it back on your face? Like it doesn't compute. So I've seen a lot, whatever works for those people, it just definitely doesn't work for me. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, I think on that note, you know, stay informed. The truth is that we don't really know that much about our bodies as women. We have not been taught. So we've been conditioned. And I think that that could be a really big takeaway from this entire podcast episode is recognize where you're conditioned, educate yourself. Mm-hmm. And Barry, if you could just share with our listeners where they can keep up with you and how they can keep learning about this type of stuff, because I know this, we did not even brush the surface with all yeah. of that. First, Thank you for having me. Like, this has been so much fun. I told you girl talk, like that's what we're doing. Um, But if you want to hang out with me on Instagram, just search PMS and period coaching. I will literally be the first person. I feel like my Instagram handle is like hard for people to find. So just search PMS. I'll probably be the first face you see. Um, And then you can come hang out with me on my podcast, which is Flow with Barry on Barry. And it is everything related to like women's health, personal development, female entrepreneurship, like basically my unfiltered thoughts. And I try to be really, really intentional with what I put there, but like, I know sometimes it's not like that. And then the last place you can find me is over on my website, Fix Your Flow, and flow is spelled F-L-O.com. And that is definitely for people who want to like work with me one-on-one more so. I feel like I just direct traffic. Like the only thing you can do is apply to work with me there. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's all the places. We'll also put all of her links in the show notes. Yes, it'll be easy for you to find. You'll just click it. And if you loved this episode, please write us a review. Show us some love. Let us know if you want us to talk about more things like this. Um, And yeah, yeah. screenshot the episode, tag Barry, let her know how you've like, how she's inspired you. Um, And show everyone some love. And send this episode to at least five women who need to hear this. Oh, yes. Because we got to get the word out. Well, Barry, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. Until next time. Hustle and flow. flow.